For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Hey, what's happening, Rebels? It is, it's still Monday morning. That's fantastic. It is Monday morning. All right, I'm one week down uh, with no sugar, no grain. Um, it's not that terrible. It's not terrible. Um, I uh, I miss it a little bit. I miss bread and rice. I was eating, apparently I was eating a ton of bread and a ton of rice before I stopped. Uh, so I miss that a little bit. Uh, and it's amazing what feels like cheating when you've been a week without sugar. If you're a regular sugar eater, uh, if you drink soda and you eat sugar on a regular basis, like I was, um, then things that, you know, like at Costco, they sell, um, uh, candy heart grapes. My kids call it cotton candy grapes. Those feel insanely sweet. I can't believe how sweet grapes can be. Those Costco ones are just in like crazy, uh, sweet potatoes feel like cheating. Uh, those grapes feel like cheating. Um, Zevia soda made with stevia is pretty good. I don't do anything like, I don't do diet, diet sodas. Uh, I don't believe in aspartame. I think, it, well, I have ulcerative colitis. So aspartame is terrible for your gut. Uh, diet soda is really bad for your brain and your gut. So I don't do anything with, um, you know, Splenda, um, aspartame, anything like that. I won't touch, uh, Zevia is pretty good. It's not bad. It's weird drinking cola. That's clear, uh, because there's no caramelized sugar in it. So it reminds me of the eighties Pepsi clear. I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember Pepsi clear, uh, but Zevia is pretty good. It's not bad. Uh, and monk fruit sweetener is surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. I made whipped cream with monk fruit sweetener and it's for sure your brain can't figure out why it's not cheating uh, because it feels just like having regular whipped cream. Um, and that's a, that's a good treat. That's a for sure good treat. Monk fruit sweetener is really not bad. Not bad at all. I put it in my coffee uh, and then you can't figure out how is this not cheating? How is this a zero on the glycemic index? Um, so like I, my dad uh, went pre-diabetic a while back and then he's insane. So he cut out 100% of the sugar 100% of the time and lost 30 pounds. And now his doctors are like, well, you could start eating a little bit of sugar. Don't, don't go so crazy. But I brought over like a quarter cup, a cup of monk fruit sweetener. And he was like, oh my goodness, uh, where did you get this? And so I sent him a bag of monk fruit sweetener from Amazon. Uh, cause he's totally into it. Me too. Uh, I made brownie bites. They're, mm, they're not brownies, uh, but it tastes remotely or relatively chocolatey and sweet. So I have one of those, you know, I don't know, every other night, whatever, uh, the whipped cream. That's the crazy one too. Monk fruit sweetener with whipped cream. You know, I was giving it to the kids in the morning and Laura's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's not, <laughs> it's not bad for them. I don't know how to explain it. It tastes way too good to not be bad for you. Cause we don't think fat is bad for you. I'm not that old school belief. Fat doesn't make you fat. Sugar makes you fat. Uh, and it's not sugar. It's a zero on the glycemic index. So it doesn't make your insulin spike, uh, go up and down so they can have it whenever they want. That was crazy. Uh, and then I was giving Lucy brownie bites and Laura looked at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, I know, but it's not, it's not sugar. It's just monk fruit sweetener, zero on the glycemic index and cocoa powder. 
and almond flour. So there's no grain. There's nothing that's spiking. And she was like, oh, that's really weird. I'm like, I know it's super weird. Uh, so that's kind of nuts. Um, I've made a ton of sweet potatoes. I really, really like them. Uh, and I'm down weight about two and a half, maybe three pounds. Um, so I was, I don't know why I, I, so I'm on Reddit and I watch intermittent fasting and I'm, I'm loosely intermittent fasting as well. Um, not crazy. So I don't know if I was just expecting these massive dramatic results, but, uh, after six days, you know, it was really nothing. And then at seven days, it was about two and a half, three pounds down. Um, which over six weeks will be 15 to 18 pounds. And that's going to be my goal weight. Um, so not bad. I mean, not bad at all. Uh, and it's doable. I'm stoked that it's doable. Uh, it's not killing me. Um, I do miss, uh, I miss flour tortillas. I miss bread. I miss rice. Um, but not like, I don't know. Last night I was really craving salt. Um, we had these pretzel sticks the kids like, and they were hidden, um, and then, or just put away and I put them out for the kids and I was like, Oh, I want that really bad. So I had something salty and it was fine. So, um, no sugar, no grain. Uh, let's see. Kristen's following it. And I think she's the only one that stuck with me on this one. No one else is really doing anything. And then soda water. Uh, I used to hate, like, I can't do LaCroix. If it smells like something and there's no taste or it's just the taste of soda water, my brain rejects it completely, completely rejects it. So I can't stand LaCroix or any of the other bubbly where it smells like you're going to taste something and then you don't taste anything. My brain just freaks out immediately. Uh, but I just put lemon and lime juice in soda water. I've got a full keg of soda water. So it's like a soda stream, but it's my version of the soda stream. I'll do pictures of it sometime. Tell people how I built it. It was relatively inexpensive. I already had a, a dorm room fridge. And so I bought a, uh, I think it's a 20 pound bottle of CO2, and then I bought a five-pound torpedo keg, a five-gallon torpedo keg, uh, and then the pipe, the fittings, and all that go together. So I probably spent two hundred-ish dollars, maybe two fifty, somewhere around there. And then this will the 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 twenty-pound torpedo, the twenty-pound CO two tank will fill fourteen hundred liters of soda water. So we've had it for a couple of years now. It's still solidly in the green. It has not moved at all. And I drink it all day, every day, all day, every day. Uh, I really like it. I really enjoy it with the lemon and lime juice. I didn't think I would, but I'm super used to it now. Uh, but it was very, very, very easy to put together. If you can handle a screwdriver and an electric drill, you could build this. That's all that it took. Uh, I drilled a hole, a couple of holes in the front of the, in the door of the uh, mini fridge. And that was it. And then you can, if you can use a screwdriver, you can put it together. It was crazy, crazy easy. Uh, and then it lasts forever, forever. We've literally easily gone two years now. And uh, the CO2 is dead in the red, in the green, dead in the green has not moved at all. I don't know when it's going to move. Um, and then you can, you can adjust the bubbliness, which I really enjoy. So I like it super bubbly. Um, and so we do it like that. So it's really, really nice. Um, I got a number of things I want to talk about today. Uh, I had an amazing conversation with a neighbor on 
politics and our belief systems. Uh, this person does not agree with me. And we had one of the most civil, uh, especially in this in this age of of just craziness. I mean, we did elect a reality star to the presidency. Um, that's the honest truth. Uh, President Trump was a reality star before this. And so, um, you know, I watched the Democratic debates. It seems like a full-on dog and pony show. It is a full circus with people saying insane, crazy things, which instantly ups um, the stuff people are willing to say. Uh, and um, my neighbor was saying they felt uncomfortable putting... Uh, a democratic sign in their lawn as much as I felt uncomfortable about putting a Trump 2020 sticker on my truck. And I was like, I will for sure support you in putting that sign in your yard and I'll defend you to any of our, cause we have some neighbors that are really inappropriate with their political beliefs. Uh, it's the same neighbor that asked my landscaper if he was an illegal alien or not, uh, which I am still mortified over. I can't believe it. My landscaper, Mario, is one of the kindest, nicest people on the face of the earth and uh, does such an amazing job. And to ask him that was so inappropriate. So I said I would completely support her in that. And it was interesting. Uh, she feels about Trump the way I feel about like a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren. Um, and neither of us can understand that belief in the other person. And yet we both support each other in our belief systems. And it was so great because it was super awkward in the beginning. Like, I mean, think about someone that you completely diametrically oppose politically and then having this conversation with someone that you care about and that you live near and you want to have a great relationship with ongoing. And so you're stepping around landmines like crazy. Both of us stepped all around the landmines, did not blow up on each other on anything. Uh, completely don't understand each other's belief system and yet supported each other in our belief system. My goodness, I wish we could all do that. I wish we could all do that. Um, she uh, was spoken to very inappropriately by one of our neighbors, uh, which makes me cringe, just cringe on the inside. And so it was nice to support each other because I said, I was afraid to put the Trump 2020 sticker in my truck in the same way this person is afraid to put a Democratic a presidential candidate sign in their yard. And I'm like, oh, I will for sure support you in that. I'll for sure support you. And if anybody says anything, they can come over and talk to me about it. So it was really, it was just, I think we we need to have more of those conversations with people uh, as often as we possibly can to keep civility and dialogue going in our conversations. Um, speaking of civility or the lack thereof civility, uh, the climate change protest happened um, this last week. Um, <sighs> so I just want to say yikes about the whole thing. Um, yikes on a million levels. Uh, there's a little girl, Greta Thunberg, who sailed around the world and she's 16. Um, my question is, why are we listening to 16-year-olds on world policy? I, I don't mean that in an offensive way. 16-year-olds don't know anything. She is not a climate expert. She only knows what she's read only on one side of the equation. This person has not studied both sides of the equation, doesn't understand what she's talking about, and yet said to the UN 
don't tell me I'm inspiring and then don't do anything. I don't care that you call me inspiring. And I'm like, are you inspiring? I mean, you sailed around the world. That's awesome. But I don't think it was that big of a deal. Uh, with modern technology, it just took a little loneliness. So, okay, good for you. Um, my brother-in-law at 16 could have sailed around the world with a sextant and maps uh, because he was just that good at sailing and there wasn't GPS to follow and the technology that you have today wasn't available and you, he couldn't tweet out his locations and get on the internet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or have satellite phones and talk to people the entire time he was doing it. Uh, my brother-in-law, Steve, just was that good at that time. He was inspiring, I guess. He's just good at a skill. Um, sorry, I don't think you're that inspiring. And to speak to the UN that way, oh my goodness, it makes it cringier. Uh, but I don't know why we let teenagers and children testify before Congress or speak before the UN and give them an actual voice. These are teenagers and they're children. They're hormonal. They are uh, apt for angst and outrage and outburst. Uh, they have no idea who they are. They've not a fully formed brain yet. That's the literal truth. Their brain is not fully formed yet. Uh, they are going to turn into completely and totally different people as time goes on. And yet uh, we had presidential candidates saying that schools should let them out for the protest. Um, wow, a bunch of teenagers yelled about stuff. Okay. Who cares? Uh, I want to know what both sides' leading scientists say. And here's the other part, too. Nuclear power is so insanely safe today. It is so insanely safe. Why then is it that's not one of our options? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. People that want climate that are in support of uh, lessening um, our reliance on fossil fuels who are also vehemently against nuclear power I can't really listen to you. I can't really listen to you. It is so insanely safe. It's safer than fossil fuels statistically, and yet you won't support more nuclear plants being built in the U.S. I can't listen to you. So that's weird. Um, I got, I got uh, a couple more. We have some new neighbors. They're a dream. Oh, my goodness. I love hanging out with this couple. They've got great kids. Uh, and the wife recommended really good books to me. So I am a huge fan of dystopian future, um, uh, you know, uh, EMP attack, uh, grid shutdown books. Um, and she was like, oh, have you read One Second After? And I was like, yes, I've read One Second After. Uh, and that was fantastic. And she recommended a new one called Ghost Fleet, and I am super into it. So I love when people recommend good books. And it was free on my Kindle for some reason, no idea why but I'm super into it and it's allowing me to sleep better at night uh, because instead of watching TV before I go to bed, I'm reading before I go to bed and that's fantastic. Love the new neighbors. Um, let's see what else. The Purdue family. Uh, Purdue is being sued for lying about the addictive nature of opiates and they should be sued for that. And they should pay out the millions of dollars. And not only is the company filing for bankruptcy protection, which ugh, makes me so mad, uh, the family is hiding billions of dollars offshore. So the Purdue family, while they're hiding billions of dollars offshore, is also filing for bankruptcy protection, which uh, is criminal. 
and I hope they are found guilty in criminal court. We deal with addiction at Rebel Parenting so often. We get calls and emails and Facebook messages and Instagram messages about addiction so often that to see a family ducking um, their punishment for acting criminally really drives me nuts. And then let's close with this. Um, Let's talk about our kids. Your kids need to hear from you how much you like them and how much you like being their parent. I think sometimes we have such a guilt. Our parenting comes from fear and guilt and shame so often that it's hard to tell your kids how much you like being their parent. And that's a mentality shift that we as parents need. Uh, And by the way, telling your kids that you like being their parent will help your mind shift. And when you shift into how much you love being a parent, your parenting will get better. Um, Books that can help you... um, Paul Tripp's book, Parenting, is just maybe the best book on parenting out right now. It is a fantastic, fantastic book on parenting. Uh, It will help calm you down as a parent. It is fantastic. It's called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles to Radically Transform Your Family. Um, I'm not a fan of the title or the cover, and yet the book is just brilliant. It is a brilliant, 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 brilliant book. But you need to tell your kids how much you love being their parent because that will make them feel safer around you. And you really want your kids to feel safe around you. Um, You'd rather them try your patience than try the patience of their friend's parents when they're out away from you. What you don't want is for them to be angels in your house and devils in the street. That's what you don't want. It means they're not safe around you. They don't feel safe figuring out who they are as an individual around you. When they're crazier around you and really well-behaved in public, it means they feel safe around you. Dr. Joshua Straub, uh, he and his wife Christy have been on the podcast a number of times. He's got a book called Safe House that, that is talking about that exact thing. Uh, you know, one of my kids was struggling with a teacher, uh, and one of my kids was struggling with some friends at school, And it was just hard during the day. It was difficult during the day. And um, Gary Vaynerchuk was talking about how co-parenting is complete baloney, where both parents have an equal say in how you parent the kids. It doesn't happen that way. My wife is with my children more often than I am. I'm here in the studio. I'm working. I'm on the road far more than she is. She's with my children most of the time. Uh, We homeschool two days a week. They're in a hybrid school three days a week. So today she is homeschooling them all day long. She's not doing shows with me. She's homeschooling them all day long. She's at the tutor with them right now. And she will gauge where they're at emotionally, physiologically, psychologically during the day and then let me know where they're at. And she came home last week and she was like, hey, uh, so-and-so had a tough day at school. Actually, they both had tough days at school. Uh, One had troubles with teachers and homework and grades and one had troubles with friends and uh, they need more of you. And what she means by that is they need to hear from you how much you like them. Uh, And over the last few months, I've been, and this is, I'm not a saint parent, by the way, you have to understand where I'm coming from when I say these things, because I feel really odd when I tell you the good things I'm doing as a parent, because I was such an angry, bad parent for so long. I really was an angry, bad parent. I parented out of fear for so long. And I've seen the dramatic transformation in myself and my family as I move away from fear into love, away from control and into love with my kids. There's such a dramatic transformation. I enjoy being a parent so much more now 
that I'm moving away from fear and into love. And so over the last few months, I just look for ways to say how much I like being your dad, how much of a treat it is to be your dad, what a joy it is to be a parent to kids that are so great like you are even when they're not being their best. It's still great, right? You get to be a parent for such a short amount of time that you've I think I think the perspective needs to change. So usually it used to be we're only a parent for this amount of time. We have so much work to do. There's so much pressure to get it right in this little amount of time that we're overparenting our kids instead of slowing ourselves down. And saying, my goodness, it's so awesome to be your parent. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I get to watch you grow up. I get to do these things. So I'll give you some examples. Um, uh, Lincoln moved out of our bedroom almost immediately into his own bedroom. uh, And getting him to go to bed on his own was a high, high, high priority for me. And I fought with him for months and months and months and months on that. I was a really angry, fearful parent when it came to that. And I was really mean and harsh with him. Uh, Lucy came along and I didn't understand this was going to be our last child. Laura knew it was going to be our last child. Um, she breastfed longer than I thought she should. I mean, I was like, you know, let's get it done. Let's get it over with. Let's get her in her own room. Let's get her going to bed on her own. And Laura in her brain was like, I'm never going to get to do this again. Why are you rushing me? And in hindsight, she was totally right. I was totally wrong. Never going to get to do it again. Never going to get to experience those feelings or those experiences ever, ever, ever again in life. Why not prolong it? Not in an unhealthy way, but in a very, very healthy way. Uh, And over time, as I went through some serious therapy, I started to calm down on those subjects to where it was like, oh, wow, I get to walk you in your stroller to get you to sleep every night. I'll never get to do it again. And I won't. Uh, until my kids have babies and we get to watch them, if they allow us to watch them, and if I get to put them to bed at night, and if they need to be strolled to go to bed or rocked to go to bed or held to go to bed or driven to go to bed, I'll never get to experience it ever again. Like, it makes me emotional thinking about the fact that I'll never get to walk Lucy in a stroller ever again. And then it reminds me of how many nights I did that. Like Laura caught me sleepwalking down the street at three in the morning, walking Lucy to go to sleep because she was a bad sleeper. Both my kids were bad sleepers. And I was like stumbling. I would walk in the middle of the street so that someone was driving, they'd immediately see me and I wouldn't be kind of on the side of the street. And I didn't like being on the sidewalks because it scared me because we've got bobcats and animals and we've got bears. And I'd rather be in the middle of the street where it's most visible. And if something's, something's coming, I'll see it ahead of time. I used to hallucinate. I'd be so tired. I saw a horse one time in someone's yard. There was no horse. It was mailboxes. It wasn't even deer. But I'll never get to do it again. I'll never get to do that again. And what a treat it was and what a memory I have for getting to walk Lucy and stroll her to get her to go to sleep and to look down in that. Like the other day, our neighbor uh, was down the street picking up a kid at the bus and they were like, hey, if you hear screaming from the car, let me know. And I was like, screaming from the car? And I'm like, oh my goodness, their youngest is asleep in the car. And I forgot about driving your kids to sleep and then sitting out in the front yard, letting them sleep in the car because you didn't want to try to move them in the house and risk waking them up. And they had nap time and it was that nap time. And I'll never do that again. I'll never get to do it again. <clears throat> and so a couple of months ago, my goodness, it's been like June, July, August, it's been three months now. It got so hot and we only have air conditioning in the office in our bedroom. 
And the kids were like, can we sleep in your room? And at first I was like, what? No, the bedroom's ours. I want my privacy. I want to be with your mommy. I don't want you in the room at night. Uh, and I was like, oh, wait, who cares? And so still three months later, there are mattresses on both sides of our bed and our kids sleep in our room every night because that's where the air conditioning is and they get to sleep there. And uh, one of the kids was crying in their sleep last night and I was praying for them because it woke me up. I don't know what they were dreaming about. I asked them about it this morning. They don't have any recollection of it. I said, did you have a bad dream last night? And they said, no. Uh, but I was praying for my kids last night uh, and what a treat it is. And this morning I was telling them how much I love being their parent and how proud of them I, are, I am and how proud I am that they're going to their tutor and how proud of the work that they're putting in and how proud of the grades that they're getting and all those things. And it's because of the juxtaposition of how bad it was when Lincoln was young. Uh, Lucy was a baby. She doesn't remember much of this because I transformed while she was really, really, really young. Uh, and here's the truth too. I had to apologize for about four straight years to Lincoln for what a bad parent I was when he was young. He doesn't require it almost ever anymore. But we have a really, really good relationship now. It's a really good relationship. Uh, we like to watch movies together. I like to watch him play Fortnite in the tournament. We discuss strategies. Uh, of, I don't know anything about Fortnite, and he can be beat me every single time, but he still discusses a strategy with me, even though he knows he's better than me and I don't really have a say in the matter. Uh, but my relationship is so good compared to what it was that I want to pass that on to you. The more you can love being a parent, the better it's going to be and the longer it's going to last. It's the more they come to you when they've got issues and troubles, uh, when they've got problems, uh, because they feel safe around you. And um, I definitely want to recommend... Uh, Dr. Joshua Straub's Safe House and uh, Paul Tripp's parenting books uh, because they're fantastic, fantastic. Uh, and I am really, really stoked on being a parent right now. And you can too. You can too. You can enjoy being a parent. Part of it takes reminding yourself that you do love being a parent and at least telling your kids that so many times that your brain starts to believe it. You know, that negative voice in your head's been speaking so long, it's hard to overcome. You got to do a lot of work to overcome it. And I've been putting that work in. You can put that work in. It's worth the investment. It's worth the hardship. Uh, because when you start enjoying being a parent, everything changes. Everything changes. And you can believe that. You can believe it about your marriage too. You can say, I love being married to my wife. I love being married to my husband. Uh, in the hard times, you can say that. I don't want to be married to anybody else but you. I'm so glad the Lord brought me to you and brought you to me. I'm so glad I get to be your spouse. You can do that. It will change it over time. All right. God bless. Hope you're doing well. We'll see you soon.